Welcome to the Hypnotic Comic Live Show. Finding that entertainment without meaning isn't cutting it anymore? Do you want to feel deeply connected, yet lifted up into the heights of laughter? You found that place where comedy meets the full expansion of life's possibilities. Now, for your hypnotically comical host, Jenna Grayson! <laughs> wow, thank you, Doug. What an intro. I'm so honored. All right, all right, I wrote it. I wrote the intro. <laughs> so I can't be that honored, you know. But uh, what, a, what, a, what a lot of uh, spirit that's right there. So hi, everyone. I am Jenna Grayson, your hostess today for the Hypnotic Comic Live show. I'm really excited for our show today. Um, I got to I gotta plug a couple things before I introduce our super cool, um, very accomplished guest today. Um, I wanted to let you know that on May 26th is my next stand-up comedy show. It's going to be at the House of Blues in Anaheim. That is, um, I believe it's an eight o'clock show. I should check on, double check on that before I promise you that. But I do know that it's May 26th at the House of Blues in Anaheim. We'll be doing some stand-up comedy that's going really well. We're having so much fun and really growing and expanding there. Um, for more information on that show or any other shows, you can go to the hypnoticcomic.com or jennagrayson.com. That's me. I'm talking about myself. But today we're going to be talking with the beautiful and talented and soulful uh, guest that we have today is Jan Smithers. And Jan is, as you may already know, an American actress who is best known for playing Bailey Quarters on the hit TV sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati um, from 1978 to 1982. And she has also starred in films such as Where the Lilies Bloom. And uh, as she started off her career as a very young and very shy girl, she's found a lot of personal growth um, in acting and advocating for others and other actors as well as in her spiritual journey. And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking with um, Jan today and uh, I'm really grateful for you to be joining us today, Jan, so thank you so much. You're welcome, Jenna. I happened to see you yesterday, and this is how this started. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we've known each other for a little while. Um, you want to talk about where we met? You want to start off talking about um, our connection, where we where we originally met? Yes. Um, it's actually more interesting than my whole career. <laughs> Meeting Jenna or people like Jenna is, is your life. It's a wonderful thing. We're, we're here and we're all interconnected. And it's the people that you meet that count. Um, met at one of the Ama retreats. Ama, Mata Amritananda Mai, is a divine mother from Kerala, India, who is a blessed being who has traveled around the world over and over and again, I think since 1987 or before, hugging people and uplifting, uplifting people everywhere in order to create um, world peace and equanimity for our, our existence. And my personal experience with her is, has been just extraordinary, and I go to see her regularly. I don't go to India. I, I go to her retreats, and I visit her, and I also try to help her in any way I can. And Jenna was sitting next to me at a retreat, and, or no, no, what were we doing? Were we, having, we were having some lunch, weren't we? I think so. I think it was a lunch, a lunch meeting. <laughs> it was a lunch meeting. We just, what was so interesting about Jenna, I've, I've never met her personally, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen her, her show, but she's probably the most funniest, most dear ladies, and she has a face that just is emotionally connected to her soul so well when it, when it comes to humor and love, and I just love looking at her face, and we start talking, I started laughing. <laughs> uh. <laughs> He didn't know that I was an, an actor or that I had done some comedy, and I just sat up in appreciation of her. 
So uh, we became friends, and every time I <clears throat> go to see Amma, she happens to be there somewhere nearby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where we were over the weekend. We were at a um, a gathering for Amma, and um, appreciate so much those beautiful words. Oh my gosh, I feel like now my my face is a little red, and I appreciate those <laughs> words too. <laughs> yeah, we, I love the, yeah. What did you say? Go ahead, go ahead. You love what? <laughs> I, I, I love that you said that you're like, I love her face. Whenever I look at her face, I just laugh. Yeah, I do. <laughs> She's got, Jenna's got the most, uh, I don't know, have anybody got, I don't, do all your listeners go to see you, Jenna? Uh, you know, I think our listeners are all over the place and at this time, I mean, all over the place, meaning all over the world, it's an international audience and, um, my shows so far have only been in Southern California, so I would imagine that um, just the, the Southern California listeners would, would come or be able to come. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. I didn't know it was international. Hi, everybody. Um, hi, everybody. Yeah. So, hi. Yeah, so yeah. So Alma is, um, I guess we'll talk about her. She's uh, the Divine Mother, and she comes every year, and she, uh, for free, she gets programs, and she gets a hug, but that hug goes deep into your soul and heals the part of us that don't know how to heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's her blessing. She's um, all merciful or and has a, a, an extraordinary sympathy being feminine. And um, it, it would seem that not much happens when you receive her hug or her blessing, but a tremendous amount happens. And she is international. She she goes to every country. She's in, I think, Australia or just left Australia. She's been to Japan, China. She was just in Dubai, of all places. Um, they wanted her to come to Dubai and help them with uh, uh, their abused women. Their question was, can you please speak out for the abused women of our country? Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing she said, and I, I don't know the whole dialogue. You can probably look it up online, YouTube it, I guess. Um, <clears throat> is that, uh, first of all, you have to forgive yourself. The women have to forgive themselves first. And then they would have to forgive their abuser, which is the general spiritual awareness that we all gain that in order to heal ourselves, we have to forgive ourselves and forgive the other. And it does not mean that we would be the relationship of abuse. It could just be any relationship that we have to learn to connect by not always repelling each other in negativity, but or one upmanship, but to love each other and take the time to listen and care. And she uh, somehow is the key to that. And that's why I keep going back. And um, I don't know, 100, 100 million people keep going back to see her or, or come to see her. She's actually yeah. coming, and um, this wasn't planned to be a commercial, but it is, I guess, now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's coming to, um, well, why not? You know, she's coming to uh, L.A. in one month, I guess. What, what is today? Somewhere halfway through the month. She's going to be at the LAX Hilton June 16th through June 18th. That's three whole days. And if you go to the LAX Hilton in the morning, um, you can get a token and just receive her hug for free. And it's a, a blast to be there because there's beautiful kirtan music like you wouldn't believe. The kirtan that travels with her is just outstanding and yeah. so wonderful. And... Um, uh, there's a, it ends with a program called Devi Baba, which is an accumulation of all the grace that, that's bestowed at that time, and it's a, a celebration devoted to world peace that she leads. So if anybody's interested, uh, you could call. I want to say, what do they do, Jenna? Is it amma.org slash M-A-C-L-A? Yeah, I think that's the best suggestion is just amma.org and look for her um, northern, north, northern North America tour is what I think I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that she's comes real, up right away. Yeah, she's the real deal. So if you're listening, go. <laughs> go. Okay. So she's the real deal. So, yeah, I appreciate so much. That's, that's like, you know, for me, that's where I go now on Mother's Day. Like, that's where I want to be. She's, you know, essentially my mother. And at the same time, it's so, it's so extraordinary because it's like I really feel like she's my earth mother as well as my spiritual mother, even though I've had such an extraordinary biological earth mother 
Amma's, you know, our, our mother. And, and it's amazing because all the people who feel like that, there's so many people, like you were saying, hundreds of millions, I think you said, or tens of millions. I know tens of thousands come to see her in L.A., you know, each each time she comes for just five days. We all feel like that. And there's somehow um, there isn't a competition to say, no, she's my mother. No, she's my mother. We're all like, yes, we are her children and we love her. Oh, so yeah. Much. You know what? That's interesting. I was thinking about that, Jenna, about how when you because we were just there yesterday at this world program. Alma wasn't there, but it was a pre-program Mother's Day thing about what's going to happen for the people that want to help to go down there and make this thing happen because it takes a lot of people to organize this. And as well as a Mother's Day problem at a retreat with Swamiji, who was a, there are about eight men, I'm sure there's much more that I know of who traveled with her that met her when they were young who became uh, Swamis and they are like spokespeople for her. And, and he was there. And um, I notice every time I am in the, the company of people that have met Alma that... Um, I personally am less important, but more belonging to myself, which is kind of an interesting, I don't know how this is connecting to mothers, but, um, the idea that we are not so important, you know, we make our ego, make ourselves so important. And she helps carve that, that ego into a useful way of being or a more useful way of being of self-love and, and giving and charity and, um, it's, a, it's a joy to discover that we're not stuck in time in, in this um, time of, of um, you know, Iron Age and all the stuff that we experience in the computer age um, and before that we are actually much more beautiful than all of this and that we can make a difference if we change ourselves. And I find that my personal experience is that, you know, that, that saying to green the planet, that if I green myself, it's probably the best thing I could do. <laughs> green my ego. Right. Or, you know, and what is that? Can can you speak a little bit more about that? You know, both about the idea of what does that mean to green your ego, and and how is it beneficial? I think you're such a perfect spokesperson for this kind of a message or life experience. That like, how do you go from being really important in the world and well recognized and honored for um, a worldly accomplishment to saying? I would rather become unimportant. Like, how does that even make sense to most of us who are focused on the perspective of our egos or our personalities or worldly accomplishments? Oh, yeah. Well, it's set up. It's it's a drama that we are born into the plane of consciousness that we're born into um, expects us to be something. But it's really the mundane or the worldly drama, not really divine drama. It's just that we're stuck in time with this uh, where money is more important, which makes greed more important, where becoming something is more important than, um, you know, not becoming somebody, but becoming happy, uh, becoming kind, becoming compassionate, becoming merciful and helping another. That's what we're really, we're communal. We're here to help each other. And unfortunately, the mind is the culprit, unfortunately, <laughs> but we can, uh, and unfortunately, because the mind, our mind can actually dissolve into love and dissolve into into charity and, and kindness to each other. It does not have to be constantly, constantly thinking of ways to survive, and which makes us very competitive and, and unhappy and mean and unkind. Um, yeah. There's a law called the law of karma. And if you understand the law of karma, people say karma all the time, but they don't really understand what karma means. There is a law of karma. It's the law of action and reaction. And if you take a good look at your action, you know there's going to be reaction. So be very careful about your action. Be careful about what you choose. Like, you know, even when it comes down down to the husband store that Amma talks about, she talks about (laughs) men and women having a list of, personalities and, you know, ideas that they want their husband, that they want, he has to be rich, he has to have this kind of car, and he has to be handsome, and he has to have blah, 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 he has to be a doctor, he has to be all these different things. Well, men and women, men and women think the opposite sex is like, they think in terms of the, you know, the husband or the wife's door, and she says, we have to eliminate that. <laughs> right. We work it's not on so our, much about what you can get. No, it's what we work on ourselves first, we become good in ourselves, you send light your own flame first. And now to help alight another flame. In other words, we all would like to do something to um, make a difference. But 
she really helps us. Okay, we know that we, we all want to make a difference. It's, it's gotten kind of scary out here. So what do we do? Because it's innate in us, given to us by the maker, creation, source, that we want to make a difference, that we want to contribute. But how do we do that? So she helps to light the eternal flame, the flame of love, so that we can get there. And I guarantee you, she's the real deal, and she will help you get there. In other words, um, what we find out is that we cannot control anything. We think we can, our ego thinks we can, and we try to make all kinds of things happen. And we might get it. We might get the perfect everything. We might get the job. But after so many years, 20 years down the line, we end up unhappy. Or we made a big mess. And uh, we find out that this law of karma is in action at all times from source. This is our existence that we live. So she helps us understand what we're doing here. And it's not too far, far removed to become what we are. That's right. Right, Shannon? <laughs> it's right there. It's, it's, it's right. It's right in there. And I think we really do need these kinds of really profound reminders. And Amma absolutely is a, a very profound reminder of who we've come to be. And I think it's like, you know, that we can spend so much of our lives chasing after specific things, accumulations, acquisitions, and husbands, and good-looking uh, good looking <laughs> cars and husbands and bodies and all these things. Um, and then it's like this beautiful example can come into our lives and, and show us that there's such a deeper level of fulfillment, you know, and it's really something that I'm seeking, and it's a big reason why I wanted to have you on the show today, Jan, is because I know that you've been through both sides in terms of, like, really being in the physical 3D world of um, success and really having achieved what the world would call success, you know, like you're on a a hit TV show that Mm -hmm. had a lot of fame and a a lot of recognition. And still today, I know people are still asking you for your autograph and asking you to speak. And that's, um, you know, something that you're doing now is speaking in symposiums and people still recognizing you today how many years is that like 40 years later yeah and, and they're uh, not all not all the old people like me <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i know it's very recognizable the the tv show and and now you know so it's like you're still benefiting from it and there is benefit in that that level of worldly success that you've experienced and Still, it's like the thing you want to talk about the most is um, your spiritual journey and the and the accomplishments or the the discoveries. Maybe is a better word within yeah. yourself or within you know our our example. Our, our I, don't, I don't know if I should say the word guru. If people are going to be offended by that kind of word, but you know, it's like the example of of a divine mother love, and you're a mom too, so that's also a great you know worldly accomplishment. One of the most difficult and challenging and rewarding ones. So I just appreciate that contrast and the opportunity to talk to you about all of that. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, when, the, when when I was in show business, which was I started when I was 16, and I'm just about 70, um, I also was deeply interested in spiritual matters because I was confused in our time. Uh, there's all kinds of choices we have to follow a path, and... I read Autobiography of a Yogi when I was 16. I think it might have been one of the mandatory readings in our school because it was on the list, I believe. I don't know why, or maybe my mom gave it to me. Cool. And I read that book, and it profoundly shifted my life at 16 years old, and I realized that life was a path, not an existence where you had to do exactly what your dad told you to do right. or what, what, what was projected that you had to do to survive. And and it was a huge shift for me to realize that where life is a path and it's not forever, it's a short life. Well, at this side of life, it's a short life. Where you are, it's a longer life. But over here, you go, wow, that one's fast. But um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of life left over here. <laughs> there's different stages. But um, at that time, I was profoundly touched by the idea that we're on a path we all are. And I joined it. And I, and I realized we all are secrets, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. We could be a robber. And we still are a seeker. Um, in fact, there was a great robber in the, I, I, I had become somebody who's a student of um, 
Sanskrit and um, the Vedas, actually. I study the Vedas. and um, There's some wonderful, beautiful Vedic teachings and stories, and there's one great, great robber <laughs> and murderer, actually, who um, met a saint who actually was so touched by his... This was many, many thousands of years ago, touched by um, divine, the divine touch, and it just keeps repeating itself in each lifetime, um, that he became a great poet and writer wrote um, the Ramayana, which is the extraordinary story of Sitaram Hanuman. And it's really the story of union uh, with or merging with source. Um, so anyway, I don't know how this goes into show business, but yeah, I'm kind of nuts out here on this stuff, but not really. I, I have a, a normal life. I, I live. I, I just found a straight cat. I took the cat to the to the um, Humane Society today, and they found the person who owns the cat, which made me feel really good. <laughs> I Yay, have a daughter. That's awesome. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know that all happened just today. Yeah, it was just this morning, and I actually loved that cat. I was like, gosh, it was, it was a red tabby, and he was so kind. Oh, he is a red tabby. Oh, I wanted so badly to keep that cat. I can't even tell you. Oh, uh, my, oh my gosh. It was through my daughter and through a friend who saw her on the streets and Molly, can you help? Can you help me? I've got this cat. And, well, maybe my mom will take it. And so we got involved. And it was Mother's Day, and my, my daughter and I were having lunch, and then we were working on the garden. And so it all works out that every day we have, we have a chance to do one thing good. And that's one thing I talk in symposiums. If everybody, anybody and everybody, they want to get out of their rut and their depression or unhappiness, and I'm not saying that everybody is, but there's always something. Or if they want to get out of their mind, do one thing good. To help another person or a cat. <laughs> um, some form of charity, you can go, join a soup kitchen. You can join the church to help the elderly. You can go into hospital. You can do anything to help another person. And you actually, I know this, I don't know what God would think about this, but I say you get points by helping. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Well, you do. I mean, it, you know, I don't know that there's like a scoreboard so much as, but the, you know, if you're talking about karma, it's like, I think there's a lot of ways to talk about the points, you know, the point system, <laughs> but, you know, you, we do definitely get back what we give. And I, I think that's really the best way to create heaven on earth, you know, so it's like, that's, that's a lot of points for me. And even if we're not creating heaven, at least we're making our lives enjoyable, meaningful, fulfilling, beneficial, closer to God and those qualities that we think of as being heaven. I think that's really you know, we're all seeking or hoping to get somewhere better, whether it's in this lifetime or if you believe in reincarnation, the next lifetime or in the afterlife in heaven. We're all seeking to get someone somewhere better. And uh, I just I do agree that, you know, giving and being from a place of giving is a really great place, great way to access that that divine experience, you know. So I'm all for the point system. <laughs> I love what you said. I never say heaven on earth. That's I'm gonna, can I use that? <laughs> yeah, say it. Oh, my gosh. That's, I'm, so, I'm very interested it, in it. That's a nice thing to keep in front of you. To create heaven on earth every moment, every day is um, our job. We're here. We're, we're given, if you think about it, heaven on earth by our creation. We're given so much offered to us. Flowers are growing. Trees are growing. Roots are digging deep. The wind is blowing, the fish are swimming in the sea. We have so much that's given us to paradise, and we we are responsible for it as well, and what can we do to make it better? And not only with each other, but with the earth, to protect it in all ways, and that's another reason why I go to Alma, because... Uh, and before I went to Alma, I, I had other divine teachers before I, you know, she came into my life, but each, each, um, each way that you find the truth is important, always is important, but that we're, it's about us, it's about our earth, and it's about about each other. It's not about, you know, how much money you have in the bank, and don't worry about it. There's this wonderful saying in the Bible that says, the meek shall inherit the earth. <laughs> you don't have to make that a cryptic sentence. <laughs> you can you can say that is the most beautiful sentence in the world, that we can live simply, and we don't need them. If, if we spend, like, 24 hours a day in our sleep and our waking hours trying to accumulate. By the time we're 80, we can't even enjoy any of that because the entire tension, it's not a good nerve tonic to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. A good nerve tonic is celery juice. 
<laughs> it's what juice? Uh, celery juice. It's, it's uh, celery juice is like the new thing people are realizing. Oh, celery um, juice, it's, right? Celery yeah. juice to and your juice to just just do ju- celery. It's a great nerve tonic and also it's anti-cancerial. It's got oh, tons of minerals okay. in it. And my daughter made it for me recently, and I couldn't believe how after a half hour, I suddenly felt really bright, and I was oh, surprised. Nice. So I'm now trying celery juice. I love it. I I did it for about a week every morning, or maybe it was ten days. And I think it was a week. Yeah, it felt really, really good. There's I I follow somebody on Instagram who talks to, who really promotes celery juice, and yeah, it's really great nerve tonic. Nerve it's tonic. good. Thank you for reminding me. I got to get back on that. I do have celery in my refrigerator, so I can I can make some more juice. And speaking of celery, this I think this is a really good opportunity to create a segue. You were also um, you've also been in some movies, including a movie called Where the Lilies Bloom. And you and I had had a conversation about um, that movie and what it was about. Um, you got to sing a couple songs in the movie, and it taught you about the power of herbs and. This person that I that I mentioned that I follow on Instagram, he says that um, that celery is actually um, an herb, not a vegetable. Even though we tend to think of celery as a vegetable, but that it's it's a healing herb. So wow, yeah, I know, isn't that cool? He's called the um, the medical medium, and you can find him on Facebook and Instagram. And he's pretty extraordinary, and he's like been channeling God and and healing methods since he was a little boy, which is pretty awesome. Oh, um, is he from uh, um, from Canada? I don't know. He might be. He seems, you know, he's North American for sure. He, he might be. He probably does kind of have a little bit of a funny accent. So that might be the yeah. case, but I don't okay, know about yeah. that. He's he from very young. He was, I, I read it. He's wonderful. Um, yeah, there's so many beautiful people in the world today that are passing on information that are getting from from stores, from from all the great energies that come forward to, to how to live. And I, I kind of see that we're all moving in a better direction, um, which is our greatest hope is that we move in the best direction. And, okay, we'll, we'll talk about wild crafting. Um, yeah. Oh, well, we'll talk about herbs. Uh, yeah, that movie was called Where the Lilies Bloom. And it was I did that movie, I was invited to do that movie um, before I did, I was invited to do WKRP in Cincinnati and, it was my first movie, and I was very young, about 20, I guess, and maybe somewhere out there. can't quite remember, but um, it, the movie was Where the Lilies Bloom. You think about it, where, where do the lilies bloom? Well, in the mountains, and this is about um, uh, an Appalachian family, a poverty-stricken Appalachian family that lived in the mountains of Appalachia, and I played the older sister, Devola, in uh, a family of four young people and a father who was left who was ill and mother had passed away and how they lived in this little shack up in the mountains and how they survived. And they actually wildcrafted, which means they picked herbs. Wildcrafting is the name for it. Um, they went to pick wild herbs and uh, they would sell it to the town folk to make remedies for healing. And it was the first time I ever was aware of that you could actually pick herbs um, because one, a couple of the scenes uh, we were discussing the herbs we were picking as I was picking one, and I said, which one is this? And it's, oh, this is yarrow. And um, oh, and I think my line was, now that I remember it, oh, oh it's such a pretty flower. It has such a pretty flower. And I had to mm-hmm. say it in I mean, a bit of an Appalachian as Southern accent. Uh, or I did say it in a southern accent because it was uh, Appalachia, and I did learn to sing a couple of Appalachian uh, mountain songs, and I uh, was able to sing it on on the, in the film. And it surprises even me today when I ever see that film, which is rare that that's me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think probably at those, that time there was a tremendous awareness uh, in herbal remedies already on wildcrafting, but now it's exploded into this is a great alternative to heal ourselves and to start thinking in terms of using herbs uh, before we get sick in our everyday way of uh, living. And I did live in India for a, a long time, off and on for 10 years after I sort of retired from show business and when my daughter was in college, um, before and through college and her years, 
East Coast, um, which was a passion for me to, to study in India. And um, like I studied uh, also Ayurveda in the way of um, eating. And in India and other countries, naturally people put herbs in their food for their tastes. And the food is their everyday medicine, like turmeric and um, other ginger and all the great things. It's in their food. That's why you need food tastes so great. But it's, it's the herbal combination and the way to do it with ghee, uh, which is a clarified butter mm-hmm. or, or sunflower oil rather than the kind of processed oil we use, which is sunflower seeds, um, which is a phenomenal way of eating in the natural way, which I'm sure I see now has exploded to people becoming unbelievably aware of nature and what nature produces. So, um, yeah, we, we, I, I, I see already, and it's not that I have to advertise this at all, but I see that everybody's moving in a really good direction on how we can live better. We were raised, we, 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 when we were young, in school we had the, remember the triangle, the pyramid? The yes, the food eat. pyramid. Yeah, the food pyramid. Well, it was meat on top, <laughs> and it was like a lettuce on the bottom. Nowadays, Was that right? Yeah, yeah, I wanted wow. to get yeah. And then cheese and all this stuff. And I, I, uh, I had I'd been a vegetarian. Actually, I started became a vegetarian at 16 when I read Autobiography of a Yogi. I wasn't, I don't think he, he even talked about being a vegetarian, but he did talk about reality, karma and, and reaction, or action and reaction. I guess, I can't quite remember. But I went, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a vegetarian. And I stopped eating meat. And, um, wow. Not to blame anybody, you know, it's a slow process in changing. It's not like light and dark. Changing is, you know, good and bad. We have to just shift from where we have been led by consumerism, corporation, and big money to a way way that might be better for humanity to actually live and better for animals. Yeah. Um, You know. (laughs) So it sounds like your your life experiences have... um, from the Where the Lilies Bloom, as well as the Autobiography of a Yogi, have really contributed to both your lifestyle and your way of relating to your own body and relating to the earth and your health. I mean, you're an extraordinary health. I know you said you're turning a, a big one, a big a big number. My mom would say, um, you know, the zeros are the, are the hardest ones to, to, <laughs> to, to turn. The zeros and the fives are tough. Um, <laughs> right. And, and I know, you, but you, you know, my, my dad is like four years older than you, but if you were to put the two of you next to each other, he would look like he's about 35 years older than you. So, you know, it's like not, and the number of your age is one thing, but to really learn about health and how to maintain our physical, you know, physical body health, physical brain health, mental health, it's, it's something really important to learn in this lifetime. I think that's one of the great life accomplishments is like, okay, so, you know, you, you, you're famous on TV and you've traveled around the world and lived in India and have a, you know, great um, relationship with your daughter and you have great health. And, you know, to me, having great health at this point in your life is an extraordinary accomplishment that I think doesn't really get enough um enough credit you know we don't look to the people who have accomplished that as successful people in the way that i think that we really should be you know having more conversations having more interviews like okay so we have all these different scientific studies but is science enough when we're basing you know what we call health on science and our hospitals all over the country are full of sick yeah people? it's a Science can only go so far. Um, in 10 years, the cure for cancer will be a lot simple and a lot more refined. And when my mother died of cancer quite young at 55, and, and um, you know, unfortunately, it was a very tough chemo that she took, and it was very tough on her body. And nowadays, uh, chemo is easier. And I'm, I'm not saying not to take chemo, but some people get, can be healed by chemo, but also to be aware of eating really good food and dropping things that dampen your body, for instance, um, Ayurveda is um, is the study of um, food, and um, it comes from India, and um, other countries as well are aware of this in their own form. But that is that in Ayurveda you learn that meat, flesh, flesh uh, raw or cooked, dampens the body, 
like something I discovered, and I was like, oh my God, I see why. When you, we have something inside the digestive program within, that's given to us by grace. It's not that we just announced ourselves into this. We, this is a way that creation is created to procreate. But we have a digestion process, and it digests our food digests better if there's cooked good, cooked warm food that is vegetarian. And the triple burner that's within our digestion process is three burners, like a stove that ignites. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing yeah. you well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm so sorry. I'm on the phone. Somebody, somebody's calling, but I'll, I'll call them back. Um, That's okay. Uh, so anyway, be aware of the triple burner that you want to ignite the triple burner, which needs warm cooked foods to um, ignite it, because we have uh, uh, it's a fire by the fire of digestion. Really, if you look at nature, um, we have the elements. The elements are also fire, earth, ether, air, water. So all these elements are in action made by creation to make the power of digestion work. And certain things dampen the power of digestion, and you could put out your entire power of digestion by eating meat all your life, which means that you have to be careful about it. I've studied um, this recently, um, the centurions that lived um, all over the world and why they lived to over 100. And it was actually, um, how long, let's see, um, National Geographic magazine came out in the past couple of years with, the study of it, and all those people, whether they were in Okinawa or uh, in the United States or um, in um, uh, Greece, those people where they found those people that live the longest, they all eat from their own garden. They all eat a minimal amount of uh, flesh. Um, they take for what they have, and they don't take too much. They live in a, a low-profile, very natural life. And they all pray before their meals. They all thank God. Before they take their food, they thank God for the food in their own language. And um, I have learned to do that through all this blessing, is to say a small prayer before I eat, which I know a lot of people do already, and I'm sure a lot of people already do that, and that's um, it's a wonderful thing, and you probably learned it from birth, but it's something uh, we didn't do, and um, and I have learned through the, the prayer that I learned from Alma a tremendous amount of knowledge. When you pray before your food, grace comes from God, and, and your gratitude is a, it's a two-way street. And grace comes that actually enters your body in the food form. It makes the food holy. And it's an, and it's an extraordinary event that is given to us to um, the whole thing, the process of eating. It's just an amazing thing. It's not a gourmet thing at all. <laughs> beautiful. Although, That's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to eat that blessing. It's like you, you get to eat blessed food. You eat the blessed food like. that you, you offer the food that's given to you, and it, the food is blessed. And not only do you eat the food, the food turns into the light of grace, light and love, and action of grace. And um, it also helps you with the power of digestion. So your digestive process is triple burn, everything ignites beautifully, but it also helps you with the power of the digestion of truth. So as, you're, oh. as you are healthy and become more refined and centered, wisdom that's coming to you, you can, you're able to digest it and, and um, own it. Or I don't know what, how truth is owned, but, you know, it becomes a part of, of how you create your karma. That's right. That's right. And I know you also do, um, there's just so many things I want to bring up as I'm listening to you, too. Um, I'm just thinking that I know that you're also doing counseling as a seva, as a service, um, as a selfless service. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what you've learned about the human experience, um, including from, you know, things like how we eat and how we connect with the earth and connect with ourselves through the process of being a counselor to people here on, on the earth? Um, yeah, I, as we mentioned this, um, the first thing for anybody to understand, uh, that when, when I, you know, this is a service I don't get paid, and it really is only because of people I know or people that I've run into that seems like it's a blessing that person came to me um, that I'm supposed to help them. This is the way I can. And um, maybe it's because I'm an actor and I, I have a more refined understanding of 
the human condition because as an actor, you I mean, I thought, how do I, why am I this way? But um, I, I think it, as you are on the path, every you know, everybody finds the way to help another person. Um, there's a play that we're all in. This is called the play of consciousness, this life. It's not just, oh, here, we get to have this house. It's, no, this is a play. And everybody we meet is part of the play of our, if you understand karma or action and reaction, that we um, are meeting each other for a reason. And so if you see everything as a play rather than, um, oh, my God, I didn't get what I wanted, I know I'm miserable or whatever the stuff, no. See it as actually every moment that you have, you can learn by and and digest that. And the other thing I say is don't tell me your problems, which just sounds funny counseling people, but if you can turn to your maker, any way you decide it, there's a maker, it could be called, you can call it the universe, you can call it the source, you can say God. You can say God in any language you have. You can say a tree, you can say um, in, in what, what is infinite. There's a, there's a great saying, Satcham Shivam Sundaram, which is a Sanskrit, Sanskrit saying, which, um, see if I can remember, it means truth that is conscious, consciousness, truth that is consciousness is infinite beauty or infinite goodness, meaning source is always infinitely good. Whoa. And if you tap into that, you will find the good in yourself and your, your misery will be eliminated overnight. So I say, don't tell me your problems. Tell source or God, or the tree, or universe, or however you want to look at it. If you don't believe any of it, have a conversation with yourself about it. Because you are definitely born, not because you made yourself be born. <laughs> I mean, you could argue that if you like, go ahead. But you have to ask, why are we breathing, and who's giving us this breath? You know, who made all this? What, what, what's going on here? So, um, and the reason I say don't tell me your problems, because number one, I don't want to hold your problems. And if you expand that, you don't want to hold the problems of another person. And you don't want to dump your problems on another person and have them hold your problems. So if you develop a relationship with your higher self, you will cease to pass that problem around to everybody in your community so they all hold your problems and source does not have a chance to catch any of that. But you mm-hmm. develop your intimate relationship with maker, which I think would be the Native American way of saying it. Um, I can say the maker. I think it's nice. Um and it's, and it's um, respectful. Um, you will develop a relationship with everything, and you have a conversation with uh, what, what is intimately given to you. You um, can heal yourself, but if you give it to everybody else, it will never come. You will never get any help. There's nobody out there that's going to listen if, you, if you're not talking to the maker. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to sound like I'm controlling anything here. I just, you know... It's just a good way for me, and um, well, it, it turns a real. It turns out to be a good way for other people. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's exactly that. It's what you've discovered is working well, and that's really what I want to hear about. It is you know what's working well for you, and what's also what you've discovered working well for others as you're counseling them, speaking with people that are bringing their problems to you and saying. You know, wh- where do I find relief? Where do I find help? Where do I find health? Where do I find wisdom? You know, and um, a better way of being on the planet, a better way of experiencing our own selves, our own lives. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. You know, I agree with you that it's like that place of source is, or God, if you want to call it uh, Jesus or the universe. Um, it's important for I think it's really important for us to be able to give each other permission to find our connection. You know, like I hear that in what you're saying is like let yourself find the word, the term, the connection, whether it's a physical something like a tree or something that has been physical, like an ancestor or Jesus or something that's more ephemeral, like the universe or spirit source, you know, to give each other permission to say you have that connection and that connection is is the greatest um, healer within you. That's right. That it's really, it, what we're talking about is when people say, it's, you know, the answer is the inner journey. That's the inner journey. 
the inner journey is your connection right. to source. That's right. And because right. people get like, well, well, how do I do an inner journey? What's that? What's that? No, it really is going from darkness to light by connecting to um, the one who who gave you birth. And I, I that's a phenomenon for me that um, interests me greatly. Um, you know, who made creation and, and this incredible speck called the planet in the middle of the universe is just an amazing thing. We this place is, you know, it's so much more phenomenal than we think that we must take care of it. And how do we do that? Well, light your own flame first mm-hmm. and start that inner journey. And you'll even find if you're in a, a difficult relationship with someone, which seems to be one of the problems most of the people have, but not always. Mm-hmm. Some people have come to me on drugs, and um, I also say the same thing, start your inner journey, you know. It's the ego that makes you take drugs because, oh, at first somebody makes you get loaded. But after a while, oh, well, I'm, I'm cool because I'm drugged. It's not a good way to look at it. Right. You're not cool. Right. It's, 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 unfortunately, it's not you that are taking drugs. It's the, it's you became addicted, but the ego will take over and you have, the inner journey will help break up the ego's um, dependence so that yes. you can actually be relieved of your dependence and, um, that is a sad thing, but it's it's not it, it's it's possible. It's definitely yeah. possible. Um, so yeah, so so the inner journey and uh, I have I was you mentioned Jesus. I on my in my living room area. There's one place where I have pictures of all the holy people I've encountered in my life, including Jesus. Not mm-hmm. that I met him personally. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the other I don't believe you. Are... I don't believe you. You know, I think you, I think you have. <laughs> I think you have. Well, I don't know. I don't want to be one of those kind of people. But I have, I have pictures over there. I'm looking at them of, of different teachers I've met in my life that I honor, including my family members. And oh, um, wow. and I, they are to be helped and to help me and uh, my ancestors. And um, because you, there's a great saying: everybody's each other's guru, including your family members. And even if you have a difficult time with your family members. You can learn to abstain from doing the family argument and just watch. And to, not all families are arguing. I mean, of course, there's some families that are really harmonious. But um, if there's an argument, uh, argument in the family or if there's difference of opinions, because you all came together to witness that and to learn to not say much and allow for each other. And, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. It is good, yeah. Bringing that consciousness to this, to the disharmony can. I mean, I think it, it, it's also worthwhile to say, like, we have to also acknowledge in that place of witnessing the type of consciousness we're bringing. Because if you're sitting there judging or saying, "How the hell did I get born into this crazy train?" Um, yeah, you know. But to bring like some of that neutral or compassionate witnessing to. To the craziness that's going on around us sometimes can be so healing. Can be so healing. Well, you know, it's like, what's that? Uh, I was going to say, well, go ahead, finish because um, I'm, I'm stepping on you. Oh, I appreciate it. I, I'm like, I heard you say Jesus, and now I'm like, yes, Jesus. Yeah. I've moved on. Jesus, yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I was raised, I was raised, raised Christian, and I'm still Christian, and I, I love Jesus, and my first great teacher. Um. But I was going to say, gosh, what was that segue? Oh, yeah, family. Um, one thing that Alma has done for me is what I, re- I realized only in the past year that Alma's really doing for us as I move there is that mm-hmm. she's help, helping us go from negative to positive. And to hold positive with your family members and not judge them is a wonderful place because you don't go there. You don't go to where you want to fix them or, don't, you know, or have the reaction you had when you were younger. You watch where they are clearly, mm-hmm. and you allow yourself to stay positive and and okay with it, which is called patience. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> patience is, is not an energy drag when you get on the other side of that cause. It's something that actually happens where you can witness and see it. You're not neither blaming or not blaming. You're neither upset about it or not upset. You are in the center of just watching and witnessing. And um, it's a healing for yourself that you don't walk away trying to get rid of your family, <laughs> but it's also <laughs> healing uh, because you, your your mind that takes over actually goes to positive, and you can walk away happy, mm-hmm. and they walk away happy because you didn't engage. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. I, I would love to hear more about, you said that you were raised Christian and you consider yourself to still be Christian or you are still Christian. And um, I find for myself that, I mean, I think we all have our own journey and we all have our own ways of identifying, but I live in, where I live in Southern California, I'm surrounded by Christians and Catholics. And I find that the people that um, identify with being Christian, they tend to be really, like, I would say, from my point of view, narrowly focused on Christianity and what their church tells them about what it is to be Christian and what it is to not be Christian. So it's almost like, in my experience, Jenna, as me, my experience has been it's either Jesus or it's the devil. And that's been really hard for me as um, a kid growing up in this area or when I was a kid. I'm still a kid, but, you know, as a kid, I was growing up in the same area, and I got this impression that you know if you if you if you don't if you're not christian or you don't um apply the christian values to your life then the then you're living with you know the devil or satan or you're going to hell and these kinds of things that yeah really had such an impact on my life um what i want to say though real quick is that as an adult i have found the teachings of Christ as the Christ consciousness that emerged through the body of the human we called Jesus um, and continue. So what I want to ask you, I think you you know what I'm going to ask you is like how the heck, I'm going to say heck instead of the other H word in this, in this uh, conversation here, but how the heck did you go from being Christian to being open to someone like Ama, who a lot of Christians would say is like a false deity or, something that's not Christian. How did you do that? Um, yeah, they, they consider great teachers uh, to be, great divine teachers to be a cult, and they're not. Um, before Christ came, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, because Christ came 2,000 years ago, um, there were great teachers before we even had a clue to write it down or could have papers to read it. And um, there's something called the Vedas and Sanskrit teaching that was thousands and thousands and thousands of years before Christ, and they also said the same thing that Christ was saying. So okay. how I can see it without judging it is to, I mean, because we're here on the planet, is to say that we are the great teachers come at different times when, when humanity needs to be uplifted. And definitely we need our great teachers today to uplift us in this superconsciousness that Alma is offering us, which is to have mercy for each other. And But she's saying, you know, it's a different language because in those days uh, we had cultures um, where people would, you know, if they didn't like you, they would put you on a cross. And in this day we don't just put, you know, we don't do that. We, not at least this culture we're in, and, and there's other cultures that are, do what they do, but we're become a more refined culture as far as how humanity is less barbarian or less animalistic with each other. And I mean, I don't know how to say this any better than kindness, but what Christ said, I feel like opened the third eye in the sense that third eye meaning the wisdom, the truth, that you can see what it means and become a better person. The third eye doesn't mean like, oh, there's the third eye meditating as much as, and of course that's the vision of it, but the third eye really is the power of digesting knowledge, or the power, allowing the power to help you digest knowledge and, and understand how to be. Um, if you read the Lord's Prayer, uh, and, and you sort of translate it more into our today time, to, you know, to evolve it into what it really means, um, there's so many things there that actually is given to us if we get very sensitive to how simple life could be. And also, um, Christ said, if you come to me, I will die with you. I have to get a family on the thing. I'm looking for it. But it really means, I will, he said, I will enter you and dine with you. Meaning, well, I was talking about the power of digestion to the prayer, that we're able to receive the blessings of that prayer, uh, that we are entered by divinity, that our divin- or we, we merge, and that our body becomes better because of it, and we have the power to digest truth and hold it. 
It's something like that. So it's actually, I see the, the, that it's not the wisdom of understanding both. It's really the same thing. Um, except that is the, the new advantage is we have been, um, where the divine mother for me, I mean, where I'm going in my life is feminine. So she's awakening the feminine in men and women because we are a healthy balance of feminine and, and um, and uh, male and, and woman, female male together within ourselves, there, there's a nice balance in each and every one of that, that is holding the feminine nurturing qualities and also the um, um, practical, you know, protecting, aware male qualities that we we all have. And in, in a man and a woman, she is helping men and women raise to have a balance of both. And she explains it in something like this, and I know that Christ meant the same thing, that um, if you think of a magnet, everything is polar. I mean, if you look at life and how God made us, everything's got polar opposites and polar directions, wind, all that exists, how the stars move, you know, what astronomers found out about the world and how it really is, and Everything is has the action reaction. Like you, you water a tree, it's going to grow, and if you don't, it won't. So, so if you think of a magnet, um, there is a male female side. And she also says in the olden days, a, a, a couple or people had a healthy balance of the male and female within themselves. So, let's say one, uh, um, one part of part of the um, relationship uh, had some challenges, and they became distraught, and they went negative. We think of a magnet as negative and positive. The other person would be went positive, and what happens is the magnet clicks and holds itself in love because you can uplift the next person. That's a healthy balance. And if you find that in yourself, you, your mind go, okay, that's not it, not this, not this, oh, it's this. So you want to click in love as the magnet can click itself in the polar opposite. And um, nowadays, everybody is in a form of one-upmanship which is negative, negative. So if you put those two polar poles together, magnet-wise, they will repel each other. They will never click and not. And that's a beautiful thing to think about. And I learned that from Alma last year, actually. That's so beautiful. Isn't that wonderful? That's so beautiful. Yeah, I know. So if, if, if the listeners want to come to see Alma, you said again, um, and will you be there? Will if people want to meet you or talk to you about these things that we're talking about today? Is that a possibility for you? Are you available for that? <laughs> well, I want to tell you something. If you go see Alma, I will be down there because I do help her, and I'm not. You won't see me all the time, but um, if you go down there, bypass me because I'm nothing compared to her. Aww. I am. I am a great. No, I. I mean, I'm not saying I'm nothing. I'm not putting myself. I don't feel small saying it. I mean. We're all something. We're all important. We're all God's children. But um, you want to go see her. And if you're new and you get it, you get to go see her. Uh, there's a place in the front where newcomers can go and just sit and be because you're new. Um, there's a couple of rows there, and she's aware that you're new, and she's uh, she glances over and she's fully aware. She even says it's not so hurt much her, but it's the divine energy around her that's present. And um, I experience that around her. I, I have to say it's her too, except for somehow she was, this all happened to her when she was a child. Right. And um, if you read her story, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, but she says she will do this till her mortal frame gets out, and um, she will. And she right. changes this all to a, the positive, and I'm very, very grateful. Me too, girl. Oh, my gosh, me too. Well, I'm so grateful to know you, Jan. I'm so grateful we got this time together on the show together here and um, there's so much good that's come out of this conversation and um, so grateful to be able to promote Alma coming to Northern California or I'm sorry, Northern uh, North America or North America tour and um, to put the good word out there about the illumination that is available to us in this connection and um, just super grateful to know you, and we've been talking, if you guys are getting on late, we've been talking to Jan Smithers, uh, well-known, for, best-known for playing Bailey Quarters on the CBS hit sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati, and thank you so much for joining us, and I am Jenna Grayson, your hostess, the hypnotic comic, 
Um, you can find more about me on uh, jennagrayson.com. My work as a hypnotherapist as well as the hypnoticcomic.com for upcoming shows. If anybody would like to sponsor the show, we're starting to look for sponsors now. Um, and uh, if you can get in your your uh, proposal, your request, or some communication, you can send it uh, to innerremedies at gmail.com, and that's um, a good way to reach me as well. And again, that's innerremedies, I-N-N-E-R-R-E-M-E-D-I-E-S at gmail.com. Great thanks as well out to Doug and Don, the, my favorite twins that produced the show. And um, thank you again so much, Jan. It's been such a pleasure, and I'm so honored and grateful to know you and and to learn from you. So thank you. (laughs) Jenna, thank you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you soon, Jen. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye.